The Disciplined Investor is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for this edition of The Disciplined Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company, from seed through harvest, cultivating financial success. China reverses course and sends stocks flying higher. An incredibly massive move. Short squeezing is the flavor of the month. The Fed does what it's supposed to do, but remains hawkish. And our guest today, Michael Koval, trend following all this and much more on episode number 758 of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Happy March to everyone. Hey, you know what? It's March 20th, the date of the release of this episode. It's my birthday today. Happy birthday to me, for what it's worth. And for me, well, I'm Andrew Horowitz, and I am the host of this show, as well as the co-host of DH Unplugged each and every week on, on Tuesdays with uh, John C. Dvorak. And we talk about all sorts of things in a really unique way, talk about not only financial news, but business news. We talk about the things that are really shaping up markets and what's going on around the world and what you need to be aware of. And we play games and we do all sorts of fun things. We're live streaming on Tuesday nights at dhunplugged.com. Or you can, of course, pick it up at any of your favorite podcast places that you get it. You know, your apps, your stores, etc. That includes Amazon, that includes Spotify, that includes Apple, that includes uh, Podchaser and Podthisser and Podvasser and Podbean and, you know, all the ones that are out there these days. So thank you for joining me this week and each week on the Disciplined Investor Podcast, where we try to really give you not only insights into what's happening with the markets on a regular basis, but looking into how it impacts you and what you could be looking at doing from designing your future, your portfolio, your structure of your investments, and really understanding the psychology of the markets to get a better handle on how, in the end, you can have financial security for yourself. Whatever that means, whatever that exact phrase brings up, what, 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 it, what it talks to you about and what you think about when that happens. And for each and every person, it's different. So don't worry if you don't have an exact definition Maybe that is your definition. Let yourself off of the hook on some of these items, and maybe there'll be some opportunity for you to have some clarity as to what you want to do and where you want to be in the future. Let me just do some housekeeping. Thank you for all the emails that you sent in, the comments, the, the best wishes, et cetera. You could do so very easily by going over to thedisciplinedinvestor.com. On the top right, it says Ask Andrew. That's a direct feed to me. Anything you want to talk about, questions you have, comments, yes, suggestions, things that you don't like, whatever you want, that's the place to do it. Check that out right there. And of course, uh, for anybody that wants to know more about what we do in IRL, if you will, off of the podcast, how we do our groove and make our money and work with clients, well, that's a way to do it as well. <sighs> so, 
take a deep breath because man, what a time from misery to, I guess we'll call it exuberance in the space of just a few days is pretty remarkable. The fear of a war to the admission that this thing's going to go on for a while and okay, it's not that big of a deal for us over here. And markets have a way of washing out, looking past, looking through much of the news. Unfortunately, the fact remains that there is still too much suffering going on all around the world. And of course, right now we're focused in on the situation in Ukraine and all that's going on there. And I'm not going to get into all of that. But the fact of the matter is that by the world essentially cutting off Russia, the impact of that is going to be long and far-reaching. And if markets believe that this is a one-and-done, that, okay, they went in there and, uh, okay, that's it, which it isn't, that this is going to be a quick and painless war and occupation, which it isn't, where we'll just go back to where things were in the past, which it won't, I, I really think you need to scratch your heads. There's not a lot of things that we could really look at right now that make a lot of sense in terms of the ability for governments and for agencies to refresh and to flush the markets with liquidity. In fact, this week, we saw the Fed not only raise interest rates by a quarter of a point, but we also saw the UK do it as well. Other countries around the world, even with all the hardships and things that are going on with the market, saying, you know what? We need to stamp out inflation as well, which is running really hot. And the excess inflation that we're seeing right now, clearly due to the price of oil and various raw materials, foodstuffs and ags, you know, all the things that are going into making up the basket of what inflation is. It's not just that, though, because there's been a green light that's been passed on and put up very, very brightly that a lot of places saying, well, we're raising price. My my haircut place raises prices. Why? I asked them, why? First time they raised the price, they said, because, you know, things are costing a bit more. The second time I asked them, they said, because we can. Because we can. Think about that. Prices are going up because they can. Until such a time that they just can't. And when that happens, we'll finally see an end to some of this rampant inflation that we've been seeing. However, the prices may not be escalating moving forward, but we may see the continuation of the higher prices moving forward. The latest news and commentary, the leaks that are all pushing out and pulling and telling us what's going on and really affecting our combined consciousness is something that we need to deal with. Markets are obviously affected by all that we're seeing that, oh, there's a ceasefire, there's not. There's a 15, 14-point framework, there's not. The Fed, well, they only went up 25 base points, not 50. But if you heard Powell talk, he was pretty hawkish. Pretty hawkish. The fact remains that when we look at where the markets have come in the last number of days, pretty incredible with just the things that happened, for example, in China. When China said they're going to be supportive, the Hang Seng Tech Index went up 35% in a matter of two days. Two days! 
four years worth of returns in two days. If that's not showing that there is a broken market condition that, you know what, unless you were really lucky, you could have caught. Or from the aspect of nickel opening and closing down once again, the LME, the London Exchange said, you know what, there's some glitches, there's problems, this nickel exchange isn't working properly. To what's going on with with oil, down 25% or so, 20% from peak to trough in the last week and then riding back up again. A lot of what's happening right now are signs of broken markets that can be blamed on a lot of different reasons, but let's just put blame right now squarely where we can. And that is the disruption of the international banking system, the disruption of transport, supply chain. The fact that we have idiots running this whole thing to begin with. All of this is creating a very volatile environment. Even as the VIX came down from 37 to about 30 last week, the fact still remains that we are very elevated and anything can happen. Now, I still think there's some really good opportunity out there and the structure of our portfolio show that. The fact remains that there are some areas that you probably want to look at and say, "Mm, you know, let's wait for the smoke to clear before we go in head deep on that. And there's other areas you could say, well, there seems like some opportunity. All these things are obviously up for grabs. One of the things we're going to talk about with our guests coming up in just a couple of minutes. So I'm very excited about that. And the idea of trend following, momentum trading, the idea of looking at things from a different aspect of just not, well, let's say, um, you know, what they talk about on the news, the latest hot stock, the squeeze that's going on in this name or that name, the fact that AMC bought some ridiculously small gold mine. I don't even want to talk about it. Because who knows what the next thing that GameStop will buy? Will they buy an ice cream franchise? Who knows? Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff going on out there. But we here are disciplined investors. And the things that we've talked about over the last number of months really need to come and play right now. The things that we talked about, about how to stay disciplined with the flower garden and the discussion of the lobster trap, with, with how we talked about the, the idea of risk tolerance and where is your tolerance level and, and grading yourself on where your risk is and looking at time horizon. All these things need to be put together and really utilized right now. If any time ever was to be the time to be disciplined And to ensure that you understand and keep your eye on where the goal is and not shift that around. Not look to reach the horizon and get there by by two days because the fact of the matter is trying to get to the horizon is a never-ending process and you'll never get there. Because very simply, that horizon moves every single second of every single day, no matter how close to it you get. It keeps on being a goal that is unreachable. It is viewable, but unreachable. Think about it as if you want to reach a certain goal towards the horizon each and every day, each and every week, month, year, and then you're making progress. But by trying to goalpost yourself with the horizon, you will lose or never win, depending on how you want to look at it. 
So we need to break these things up and do things properly in order to give ourselves the opportunity in order to make sure that you are successful. And that's why we're doing what we do. And that's why we're going to get right now to our guest this week. I'm pretty excited. And our special guest today is Michael Covell. And uh, listen, he has an incredible amount of things that he's done in his life right now, living, enjoying the time overseas, which we're going to get into. But he has an amazing bio that we grabbed off his site. It says he searches, he digs, he goes behind the curtain to reveal a state of mind that systems don't want you in. Mike, what does that mean? And welcome. <laughs> it means it means that most people have a mountain of propaganda shit thrown at them 24 and 7 nonstop today. And I'm not so sure how people, unless they have a serious background in media and politics, have any earthly idea what's going on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, the old saying was it's like trying to take a sip out of an open open water, water hydrant. But a lot of people don't even know what that is these days. But it is. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's crazy. It's nonstop. Right? So. You are now living in Vietnam, hailing from the States many years ago. Tell me a little bit about the journey over there, life over there, and then we'll get into some of the areas of investing. I was in the States, 2012, and started this, started my podcast. And I was talking about yoga. I was doing yoga. And a friend, or actually just a, an online friend working in a bank in Tokyo, said, hey, why don't you come speak for my friend? In Tokyo, and this his friend worked at CLSA, a Hong Kong broker. Got on the phone with him. They said, "Hey, where are you flying out of?" And for some reason or another, I said, "Well, I'm going to be already in Asia." And they said, "Well, hey, why don't we make your? We want you to come speak in Japan, but why don't you come speak for us in Beijing, Shanghai, wow. KL, Singapore, you name it, and we'll make it a four month tour." Wow! I said, okay, wow! Twist my twist, twist my arm, you know, because <laughs> these guys these guys do it upright. I mean, I'm not sure what CLSA does today, but. Back in the day, they were doing it up right. They were, they were all expenses paid, good, good stuff. So I went and I got about halfway in and I was like, wow, I'm not leaving Asia. And I had a, a Vietnam was not on the schedule. And I had a break, a window. And I said, well, I really didn't want to go there. You know, this is just the American thing. I was like, God, I just don't want to go there. You know, mm -hmm. it required a visa and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, so I got the visa and I went and, you know, you, you walk out of that airport in Ho Chi Minh City and it's like the heat hits you. There's people everywhere. everywhere. I mean, I, I don't understand any of the language. And, you know, you're, you're like, oh, what do I, where am I? Taxi, what's going on? You know, the whole, it's, it's a real, it's a real, uh, it's a real gut punch. And so I, you know, went to this quite famous hotel where all the journalists stayed at back in the day called the Caravel. And mm -hmm. I walked into that front door and two ladies statuesque, wearing the Vietnamese algae, the dress, both tens, both gorgeous. Oh. And they, op they open the door while I'm walking into this hotel. And I'm like, you know, I might have to stay here. I might have to, I ended up living in that hotel for six weeks. Really? Um, yeah. So, and you know, then I just decided I went back and did more of this speaking tour. But then at the end I was like, well, I'm not leaving Asia. I tried to live in Bali for a few weeks. That drove me crazy. And I said, where did I have the most fun in Asia? And Ho Chi Minh City, Saigon, Vietnam was the choice. It was quite simple. It's an interesting place. I told you uh, offline when we spoke a bit that I love it. You know, they call the Vietnamese, Vietnam War the American War there, of course. It's a little bit yep. reversed. And uh, quite a history, quite a lovely people. The funny thing is, and people that haven't been there should know and 
we could talk about this because we know what it is. You have to actually take lessons and really uh, be straight about you when you consider crossing a street in Vietnam because there are, it's like playing Frogger for real, right? Would you agree? Well, for for an inexperienced well, chaplain yes, yourself. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I generally, I generally walk through the traffic these days texting and not paying attention. So uh, don't ask me how that happens, but it does because they're not trying to kill you. No, may, and, and a little, little nick. Once you understand that, yeah. they're not trying to kill you. And once you get that, you're like, okay, just walk with purpose and they will weave around you. Well, that does, uh, that, 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 that commentary right there, I think is pretty fascinating to segue, and this wasn't a setup, into the next area. And let's talk about trend following, talking about weaving in and out and not getting run over. I mean, I think that's a perfect way to talk about some of the things that are happening these days because markets are uh, very unkind to certain areas and yet other areas that may be a bit unexpected have been... Um, uh, doing very well. It's it's a tale of many worlds right now. And obviously, as you mentioned, the information that you're getting over the news wires and information from various governments is is nothing but confusing. And frankly, to a point, um, you question the legitimacy. I mean, really question the legitimacy of a lot of the things that you see these days, right? I question the legitimacy of everything. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't think right now we we are completely in a world of nonstop agendas, messaging, propaganda. And if someone doesn't understand that and they're trying to make bets, market bets, money bets with their hard earned capital, and they're trying to do that based on voices they might hear on you know, CNN or Fox or Bloomberg or CNBC, if they're trying to make bets on that, good luck. I mean, you might as well go to Vegas. Vegas might be more fun. Macau's even more fun than Vegas. Just skip it. Just skip, skip the, the, you know, the, the market crap and go straight to the, you know, to the, to the good times. So you, you wrote a book and that's uh, one of the things that kickstarted all this, as you mentioned uh, back in 2012 with the podcast and all the things that were going on. And you have this whole concept called trend following. Okay. Trend following research, the name of your company and that what you do a trend following this concept. And you talked about it last time you were on was 2015. So let's pretend that we're really rusty here, that we have no idea what the hell this means. Okay. And the listeners are thinking about, um, you know, the idea of, okay, well, in this kind of environment, well, what kind of trend is there? Where do I even start? How do I even know what to look at? If I'm not going to look at the news, what, I mean, so there's a lot of confusion. I'm not even talking about the new investor, right? The newbie who doesn't really care about the money. I don't know about you. Something I've been talking about lately is the, the immature feel of the markets right now. Very newbie trader. And I mentioned on a recent podcast that, and by the way, uh, just to let you know, just to make sure you're, you're just to throw it out there, you talked about your podcast back in 2012. Started this in 2007, this podcast, um, back in the day when my publisher for my book said, hey, why don't you think about promoting your book through a podcast? And I replied, what the hell is a podcast, <laughs> you know? And, you know, but but you see a lot of things happening and the, the changing dynamic of the listener and all, but it seems like people don't really care about their money anymore. They're just throwing it out there. Do you get that sense? For a lot of people, I guess it all depends. It all depends on which individual we're talking about. But if I was to take an explanation, just a real simple explanation of trend following, imagine you're on a desert island. You don't have anything except the ticker tape, and you get a daily closing price for, let's say, the biggest equities, all the currencies, the metals, the commodities, the eggs. You get these closing prices each day, 
it's all you got. Mm-hmm. You're and you can call your broker to place buys and sells. Now, what do you do? If that's the only information you've got, you can watch the tides come in and out. You know, you can maybe go catch a fish. Otherwise, all you've got is the closing prices for major markets each day. Can you use that information to trade effectively? Which means you have no information except that. And that's where trend following comes into play because trend following is using only that information to trade. So, you know, if, if someone describes the current situation with some, and I can't remember the word you just used, but some type of kind of emotional feeling, well, you know, we could probably go back in time and find some emotional description for every period in time, right? I mean, right now, historically, okay, with inflation, et cetera, uh, a potential World War III, this does seem to be a little bit of a heightened moment, but you can't allow yourself to trade off that because then you're just gambling. So the, so the issue becomes when all this starts to happen, you have to have in place something that allows you to take advantage of these commodity moves, that allows you to take advantage of when Facebook or whatever they're calling it now, Meta, drops 50%. It, the strategy has to be in place before it happens. If you're sitting there getting panicked right when it's all going one way or the other and you don't know what to do, that's like a cue to maybe step back. The markets are always going to be there, but come back with a strategy. So let's talk about the the trend of what happened with uh, energy commodities. You know, pick your poison in terms of any of that pool, okay? And we're using closing prices and we're using some information. What do we do with that? What is actually the factors? Because when do we know that the trend is actually real versus a false start versus just a hiccup? Well, trend following has an entry mechanism and it's a momentum mechanism. And typically you're going to find with a trend following strategy, when you take a trade, maybe you're going to have 40% winners. 60% 60% losers. Mm. And you're but you're going to have winners that are three times larger than your losers. Everybody can go, you know, do some uh some crunch some math and they can see it's a positive mathematical expectation. So, you know, energy markets went up. They went up big. Mm. Then they came down. They've come down big just in a couple of days, you know. Right. So, with trend following what you're looking to do is you're never going to get in early and you're never going to get in you're never going to get out at the top. So what you're looking to do is capture the middle meat of a move, right? So you say, well, how can I stop a false signal? You can't because you don't know what's going to happen. So you got to take the signals as they come. That's where the 60% losers end up coming. So when we talk about trend following, I guess is, is another word that you would use to describe it, MOMO, momentum trading, the trading on what is moving at this moment versus the, I guess the opposite side would be uh, fundamental slash thematic even? I, I think academics started using the term momentum since yours truly pretty much just dominated the word trend following. Trend following is something I essentially looked around and said, well, gosh, this is what the industry calls it going back a hundred years. This is what everyone that I have had a chance to learn from calls it. But I think the academics decided, well, let's call it momentum or let's call it time series analysis, whatever they want to call it but it's still trend following. Um, uh, it's not thematic. It's not macro. It's not using any fundamentals. I mean, there's no, you know, sometimes people might say, well, gosh, if I'm going to do this trend following, you talk about Mike, where I'm just going to take momentum signals, 40% winners, a lot of small losses. Well, why can't I improve that by my study of uh, Mark Zuckerberg and his, uh, his eating habits or whatever? 
Well, you can't because you know how do you how do you add that how do you add that into the mix? Where does where does all that extra data get added in? If you're simply look if you're on that desert island that I mentioned, if you're simply looking at the price data, well, you say, well, that's the only information I have, then I can make a buy and sell decision off that. Everything's baked into the price. I mean, that's that's a, that's a tough thing for the fundamental uh, folks out there to uh, believe in, but I'm not really sure how in 2022. A belief in the fundamentals really makes much sense. Well, th- there's a lot that goes into that because you look at the trend of, I use the word trend in a much different way here, uh, of this ESG nonsense, right? Where this, I-, I was asked to a luncheon a few years back and it was a group that was introducing this idea of, of this ESG, right? This, this whole idea that we are going to make a world a better place. And if so, and that's going to happen, we have a rating system. And by the way, that rating system is something that a lot of people are going to utilize to, 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 to ferret out those companies that are the bad actors, those that are polluting, those that have poor governance and oversight. So uh, I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, are we going back to the days that we have the discussion over the sin stocks and how those, the casinos, the the alcohol-related, you know, liquor, uh, smoking, have, have done extraordinarily well over the years without all of this? And the fact that they're trading on the secondary market, and really, are you going to have that much pull over them by just shunning them? Are they going to change? I mean, a lot of the companies did the greenwashing and all that, but- when you look at some of the things that are happening these days in terms of the fundamentals, or some people call them the funny mentals, which I, I think there are some, I, I do like the fundamentals, but on a trend basis from where we are, I like to look at those and understand those, build portfolios based on a lot of that, but there's a lot of other things that go into it. My point though is those fundamentalists that are out there, pure and simple, pure, pure, pure fundamentalists, buy and hold, there's going to be a great stock one day, which it may be have situations where it looks really great to own Facebook, as you mentioned right now, but oh my, down 50% from its high recently. That's Look, not, I mean, people, that's, that's people need to know, people need to know before they enter when they are going to exit, right? That that's, or otherwise, if they don't want to think that way, then just be a buy and hold trader and be like granny. And that's fine. Okay. Just, just go that route. By the way, just to add to your ESG thing, and you should expand a little bit more on it if you want, but uh, you got to figure that the people that are behind that already made their fortune <laughs> violating everything that was defined in this ESG nonsense. And now they've created this ESG framework to penalize everyone that's coming along next. I, yeah, I agree with your your general analysis there. I concur. I mean, something, ESG is a nice Something thing. fishy. It's a nice thing. It makes me feel good, right? It's, it's wonderful how we're going to invest in companies that are friendly to the environment, who are socially conscious, who have good oversight on their boards and make sure that there's no funny business that goes on. The problem is once you set that up as an index and once you provide that to be a, as you mentioned, a framework for doing business, we know there are things called footnotes in the various annual reports, quarterlies, et cetera. And those footnotes sometimes reverse everything that's in the actual document themselves. The greenwashing is the footnotes in the ESG compatibility profiles allowing for companies to amass things like carbon credits to offset, right? Or to do things that are like, what? That doesn't make any sense. But they fit into the good ESG model, thereby getting them into the index, thereby getting companies to buy them because, hey, I only buy ESG quality companies. It's crap. 
and let me let me add to that. Okay, if we understand all that, we still have to trade something. Yeah, we still have to buy and sell something, whatever it's going to be, equities, commodities, currencies, whatever. So we can have all of that information, all of that insight to know how it all came together. But at the end of the day, you still have to buy and sell. And so what's the best way to reduce all of the information to one data point to make consistent decisions? I would argue it's price. My good friend Brian Shannon says it's only price that pays. And there is something to be said about that. He does a little bit more of a charting mechanism in all of this. But it makes sense, obviously, that... Let me just state this very, very plainly and see what you think. If it's going up, I want to be in it. If it's going down, I don't. Or if it's going down and uh, sure. it's work. Yeah, if it's workable, you can be short. But right. I, yeah, I say I say the same thing generally that, you know, if it's going up, you're long. If it's going down, you're short or out. Right. Or, or I say another thing. I, I've also said, you know, I love a stock as long as it loves you. Yeah, but okay. I need to reduce that though for the average. The average Joe's thinking, okay, I'm not really sure what what I'm supposed to do with that. Yeah, you still got to reduce it to what you know. When do I buy and when do I sell? Correct. Right? You know, right. get down to the engineering level of like Excel spreadsheet time, and that's what I think is so nice about trend following. But look, I'm sure people are listening right now, and what I'm saying about trend following goes right over their head because there is no. With trend following, there is no, all of these textbooks that they use at the universities to teach you about CAPM and all this other kind of stuff. None of that is relevant to trend following, hmm. which just causes a lot of people to kind of, what is this guy talking about? This sounds, I don't know, a little fishy or something. Basically, you know, trend following is just trading numbers. Yeah, it's just trading numbers. But it's not a one day ordeal. It's not like, okay. Stock A index. Well, it's, not, it's not day trading. Right. It's not day trading. Right. No. Right. As a matter of fact, there's a quote on your side that says uh, from Paul Samuelson, investing should be more like watching paint dry or watching grass grow. If you want excitement, take uh, $800 and go to Vegas, which you mentioned before. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean buy and hold, right? Well, you know, Paul Samuelson, a Nobel Prize winner, as you mentioned, MIT guy, he was the founder, one of the first funders of Commodities Corporation, which was the commodity trading advisor another name for trend following back in the day that housed almost, I don't know, 50% plus of the traders that Jack Schwager profiled in his Market Wizards books. Mm -hmm. Basically, Commodities Corporation was all trend followers. So Samuelson was out there with this great econ background, you know, making everyone go, my gosh, the guy's just brilliant. But with his money, he said, let me invest in trend following. And that's not something widely known. Yeah, I mean, and, and the other thing is that I think what you mentioned at the top where oftentimes you talked about the island, you talked about the concept of looking just at price, forgetting everything else, but you also talked about all the news and all the things that come and hit you in the face. It's very difficult to get away from that. Let's, let's, let's weave in how this yoga for you helps to possibly clear some of that. Y yes, for sure. Yoga helps to clear a lot. I think being out of the States helps to clear a lot. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think not hearing English all day long helps to clear a lot. That's Seriously. Interesting. That's I, interesting. Yeah. I don't, I don't like hearing English all the time because let's face it. Most people, especially in my home country. I mean, now that we've got social media, everybody's a journalist. Everybody has an opinion. What a mistake. How much of a mistake yeah. was that in life? That allowing anybody well, at all to say whatever they want, regardless of how reckless it is, or and give them a platform to reach out to as many people as possible. 
It's it's definitely interesting. I think it's probably just as reckless that there are people out there that are supposedly fact checkers that are nothing more than another agenda source out there. Mm-hmm. Look, I was recently censored for the first time in my life. Oh, uh, you know, a, a Facebook post, uh, no commentary from me, uh, linking to a CDC government report with the .gov extension. Uh-oh. The AI algorithms at Facebook did not like that, and I was suspended for a couple of days, put on a a 30-day, I don't know what, newsfeed drop. I, I lost interest. I mean, I, I thought to myself, what is going on here? Why am I, and this has got to be happening to billions of people. Yeah. If you say the wrong word, um, this is not a good thing. And this is, I, I would argue that it's uh, in the in the current format of America, there is some partisanship to it, but it, it is an equal opportunity employer. Uh, but it's, uh, so yeah, this is a tricky thing. Everybody gets a megaphone, but now we've got, gatekeepers that own the megaphone. So yeah. it's, it's, that's, just, that's it's the unusual. next problem, of course, but let's get back yeah. to yoga for a second. I will tell you, I did yoga. I tried yoga. I attempted and I was sitting there and I'm in some position of some sort. And, uh, they said, Andrew, we want you now to turn your upper torso to the left and, and rotate backwards. I said, listen, I don't know what you're thinking. I am like twisted around like poltergeist right now. I am so, they said, you're, you're not even moved. I'm like, I am telling you, my top of my body is around the other side of my, my bottom of my body. They're like, Andrew, you're, you're facing forward. I'm like, this hurts too. That was the end of my yoga career. Much harder than, <laughs> than it seems. You know, everybody has their thing, right? But during yoga, meditation, what do you use to, to, to give you the ability to withstand certain either um, influences that really are not good or some kind of, um, opportunities that exist to help you really reach forward and 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 give yourself the sound base. So if I do yoga, it's hardcore. It's I, hot. I've seen it by the it's, way. It's you're it's, all you're it's, twisted. It's strenuous. Yes. I mean, it's like you know you 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 sweat out when it's over. So I'm not any good at sitting there Indian style doing any kind of a meditation. So my meditation is the only way I can clear my mind in yoga is at some point in time in that practice that hour or 90 minutes, you stop thinking. I don't know how it happens exactly, but that's what happens. You just stop thinking. You, you, you then end up focusing on what you're doing and you, you can no longer, uh, whatever you were thinking about just stops. And I guess there's something, it's, maybe it's something like REM sleep or something almost in a, in a similar way. Mm. It's just kind of a, a mind cleansing. I, I will also offer, I've got a, I've got a natural hack on this. So I was a baseball catcher from age 10 to 20. Mm. And if you're in the Asian squat for 10 years, I'm a big white guy, but that, that definitely helped me looking back now, 30 years later, that kind of flexibility, uh, I still have, I mean, come on, how many guys, how many guys my age do the full splits? So that's a good point. And I know I'm going to come off kind of stupid on this, but you will know, and you can help me with this, but in Asia, when you, when you're, when you're out and about in Asia, there's a lot of people squatting, they do a lot of squatting. It just it, it it is a relaxation, immobility, timeout position that they do. Why is there not more Asian catchers? I've always wondered this. Well, there probably are in Japan and Taiwan. Oh, in Japan, yeah. But I'm saying the U.S. They're naturally squatting. I, well, you know, there's there's not a lot of Asian guys playing in Major League Baseball. There's only a handful. So, uh, uh, you know, I I there's been a, there's been a couple catchers over the years that have, uh, but. 
Yeah, I think often these days, a lot of Dominican guys, frankly. Hmm. Um, I'll have to go yeah, there and so, see if they're squatting. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's any, I don't necessarily know that there's any genetic component with it because, I mean, most of my family, if I visit, you know, I tell them, hey, bend over and touch your toes. They get their hands to their knees and that's it. And so I'm completely different. So it's not genetic. It's just practice. Wait, you, you, people can touch their toes? <laughs> I, could, I could probably, I could probably stand on two blocks and put my hands flat on the ground. I, I've actually seen some of your yoga pictures and, and there's legs where arms are supposed to be and arms where your back is. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's, that's impressive. That's impressive. Let's, it hurts though. I mean, it, it does, there's some pain there, you know, that's probably why I don't do it. So let's talk about, um, you know, with the volatility on the rise right now and all that we're seeing in the world with the, you know, pick whatever you want. It doesn't have to be the war. It doesn't have to be, you know, COVID, it doesn't have to be the pandemic. It doesn't have to be a, a political instability or supply. None of that. Any changes that need to be made for the trend following conscript, the, the idea that you have um, put forth? No. Okay. I'm just asking. I don't know. Just asking. It just, it just keeps working. Right. Now you, every, every, every couple of years, somebody will write an article. They'll say trend following is dead. And then, hundred percent returns come out of quote nowhere, which is essentially what's happened in the last two years. So yeah, it's, it's, it's something where when the equity markets are just kind of going up and the feds kind of engineering everything and there's, you know, zero interest rates and the average Joe can't figure out why he's made so much money in Apple and how he got to possibly live in a $1.5 million McMansion. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the giver becomes the taker and it, it then it goes away. And we've seen this a lot. Well, not a lot, but we've seen this twice in the last 20 years. So the dot-com bubble, we saw the great recession and hell, we could be in the middle of it again right now. Now that's not a prediction. It's just, you know, observation. Yeah. Uh, but things are, things are definitely volatile. And I would just implore upon people, have a strategy. You know, if you don't know what markets you're going to follow, when you're going to enter, when you're going to exit with a loss, when you're going to exit with a gain, and how much you're going to bet on every trade. Okay, maybe you don't have all that information. But if you don't have all that information, just realize that the people you're competing against do have that information. You know, so yeah, it's it's like it's like the guy out there that thinks he's going to be the uh, the day trader on five minute bars or one minute bars. No, 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 and Tick, they ticks, they ticks. Right, right, right. And, they, and they don't realize that Jim Simons exists. You know, Jim Simons exists on Long Island to eat your lunch. You'll right. never, you'll never beat that. Yeah. So, but you know, people have got to figure it out and learn. And I'm sure some people never do. I get calls from people. I'm trying to use a thousand tick chart. I'm like, huh? Why? <laughs> What I don't understand. Well, where does, it, where does it come? Where does it come from? Who is pushing this I, stuff? I, is there I, an underground underground world that we don't know about where the, where they get the the initial idea? Where does it come from? I think it is all about that. You know, if they, they they look at a chart or something like that, and they think that they look at a specific span of time that happened to be maybe just good for that, and then, oh, if I would have bought there and then sold there, like perfectly, right? And I would have bought there, and then I would have shorted there and bought there. I, I don't know. I don't understand the whole thing. It's, it's, it's safety and the quickness of the charters. I, 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 I don't, don't get it either. It. I mean, yeah. They, they I mean, forget about the can't. ranges are, are not there either. And the data is not there. More data, better, better uh, uh, patterning, if you will. I visited a guy in Singapore a couple of years ago and he was trading at the speed of light, whatever it was. And I went into his office with him and he had just, you know, uh, armies and racks Armies of uh, coders and traders, 
racks of PCs everywhere. I mean, the guy had millions upon millions of dollars uh, just in his tech. And he was probably a smaller shop. So I, I just think the idea of competing against uh, in that world yeah, is that's, tough. It's crazy. So um, let's go back for a second. I'll mention that all the information about how to get in touch with Mike and everything that he does at Trend Following and his books and his courses, all that information will be on the Show notes for episode 758 over on thedisciplineinvestor.com. So make sure to check that out because really cool things. He does some coaching and teaching and, and a variety of books. And the, let's talk about another book, The Complete Turtle Trader. That's something also, right? We got to talk about. Yeah, that. that's uh, that's probably my most popular book. Actually, I'm very impressed. The, I just realized that it it passed. I mean, it sold a ton of copies. I knew that already, but it passed a thousand reviews on Amazon. I was like, damn. Wow. It's like, it's like living on its own. It's out there in some kind of viral mentality where people just find it. And I, I don't even do any, it's like, it's, it's seriously, it's alive on its own now, which uh, is really, it's wild. So, so what, yeah. what, what, tell me a little bit about that book. Back in the early eighties, there was two big traders, George Soros and Richard Dennis. Richard Dennis, most people probably have not heard about today, but he was his biggest Soros back in the day. And he, I don't know, he made a couple hundred million dollars by age 37, probably nice. in the uh, late 80, late, early 80s. And him and his partner went and saw the famed movie Trading Places with Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> they walked out of that movie and uh, this guy, Rich's partner, Bill, said, Rich, you know, you're a savant. We can never take people off the street and teach them to be you. And he said, oh, no, we could. So they made a bet and they put ads in the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and they hired novices. Basically, people said, hey, you want to be a, a trainee? Come work for us. And they narrowed it down to 20, took this group of 20, gave them two weeks of training and trend following rules. They put them in an office down the street in Chicago, staked them with capital. Four years later, the group of 20 had made, I think it was 100 million bucks. Maybe it's a little bit more. I can't remember. Hmm. Um, and so it was this great kind of nurture versus nature thing. And they, you know, it really showed that, okay, these trend following rules can be given to people. And if you stick with them, you will do well. The interesting thing about that story is that the most successful of those students, which were nicknamed the turtles by Richard Dennis, because he supposedly had been to a turtle breeding farm in Singapore and wanted to grow traders like they grew turtles there. But the most successful of these quote turtle traders was a guy named Jerry Parker, who's been on my podcast quite a bit, and he's still going, his fund is still going. And it's just an amazing story. And but now, but what's cool about the story too is that even though they did well under his umbrella for this four years, when they went on to their own, a lot of them started hedge funds, some retired and you know made a lot of money, but a lot of them, a, a, a decent number, failed. Mm. So, you know, you've got this guy, Jerry Parker, who's super successful, has taken all these lessons from the early 80s and made a life out of it, but some of them could not do it, could not hack it. I mean, truly just fell off the side of the side of the car, so to speak. Once, so they, it's, deta it's once they detach from the mothership. Yeah. Yeah. But, but now, but on the flip side, that's just one, one group of trend following traders. I mean, there are so many examples. People wanted to really kind of study who came before them, you know, all these uh, traders that have done well for decades and decades. And it's a hell of a learning lesson to, to dig in that information. It is pretty fascinating. Let me talk about your podcast for a second, because you are, uh, as you mentioned, been doing a podcast for a number of years. You've had some great guests on, some people and discussions. And um, what, what do you get out of doing your podcast? 
well, I'm in Saigon, so I get to choose who I get to talk to. And so if somebody calls me up and says, hey, would you like to speak with XYZ Nobel Prize winner? Well, yours truly here gets that opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. I get to speak to Robert Allman, who won the prize for game theory, which helped to figure out the Cuban Missile Crisis back in the day. Or I get to speak with uh, a guy named uh, Mr. Rosenberg, who started uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Where do you get this opportunity from? This is this is fantastic. So right. I get to speak to uh, all these academics that, you know, sometimes I, I might have a kind of visceral reaction to academics in terms of like, okay, if I had to be in their class, if I had to be their student. But most academics that donate their life to a particular niche topic They've got something interesting to say. And passion. You might not a lot of times passion. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. You might not agree with it, but they got something interesting to say. And I pivoted years ago. I stopped doing only trading conversations. And I went to every topic under the sun. Right. Which was, I, I enjoy that too. One of the things I always say is that where do I get the opportunity to speak to people from not only over the, all over the world, but really from all areas of the, of the business world and really learn from them. It's not necessarily... Sorry, dear, dear listeners, but it's not necessarily always for the listener. It's just a conversation that I get to have. And then, yeah, we're recording it and putting it out there. Oh, I agree completely. I don't care if anyone listens tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care at all. You know I, what? I, I do it for, I, I do it for me. I really, right. I, That's thoroughly what I'm saying. Enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy it. I mean, I'm not being arrogant. I'm not being a, a jerk or anything. I mean, yes, it's nice that people listen and there's millions of listens and all that kind of fun stuff. That's cool. And I respect that. And I appreciate that people enjoy it. But I do it for me. So, you know, one of the things I found over the years is when I have people that are, uh, I would say either high-end people in, in, I don't know, governmental areas, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, I had the former treasury secretary or the undersecretary of this or whatever it is, they're usually the most boring of all. It's usually somewhere out of an unknown that pops a really fascinating discussion. Have you found that? 100%. Yeah. I think it was a guy named, a guy named Henry G, who's the editor of Nature, British guy, uh, uh, anthropologist, I'm not sure, yeah, archaeologist. He uh, just fascinating, just fascinating guy. I mean, some of these guys involved in uh, archaeology and fossils and whatnot, these guys are just fascinating. I had Jack Horner on my podcast, the guy who's the foundation for the Jurassic Park films. I mean, uh, so these kinds of people that just find their way into these niche areas. And I'll add to it too. I said this to a guest the other day, the older people are more interested. I, I mean, if I talk to one more 30 or 40 something, that's thinking about every word they say, oh. right? It's every word that comes out of their mouth, oh. they're thinking about, and they're, they're checking to see if it's okay in their mind. And they end up saying absolutely effing nothing. Right. I know. Hey, let me uh, let me close on this item because you mentioned the movies. Uh, one of the credits that you have and that you have on your bio is film director. Mm. What? Tell me about that. Yeah, three years of my life. Uh, did a film right around the Great Recession time. Uh, came out probably before most of the other films, and it was the attitude you're hearing right now in a film called uh, "Broke: The New American Dream." And uh, I will probably end up having. Uh, a sequel, not a market sequel, but I would not be surprised if the country I'm living in ends up getting a documentary film out of me. Hmm. Interesting. Well, next time in Vietnam, I am going to uh, make sure to visit and we'll spend some time together and uh, For sure. get some 
some some some good eats, some good drinks, uh, some 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 good times. So Michael Koval, Koval, Koval. I can't say your name right. It's it's a problem for me. <laughs> but but people know it. But people know it. So somebody somebody goofed it up somewhere, yeah. and it stuck with a lot of people. I don't right. know why where it got goofed up. Who goofed it up? Koval. It might. It, it looks like Koval the way you spell it. You know what? It might have been Barry Ritholtz who first goofed. Oh, it. I could give Barry, I could give Barry shit. Because I think Barry might have been one of the ones that goofed it up. It could first. be. He was one of the, you know, he 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 was on one of my podcasts very early on, and I remember one of the things he said. He said uh, when we first did a podcast because he didn't know what it was, and uh, he said, "Oh, I listened to myself. My God, I am nasally." And uh, I said, "Yep, Barry, that's what you sound like." And uh, you know, kind of he went off to do his thing and all that, and get a group with that whole. Um, and Bloomberg and all that, so good stuff. So, Mike, listen, everybody, go check out the uh, the, the the podcast show notes. Also, where can people find more information about you? Trendfollowing.com. Trendfollowing.com. It's that easy. Michael Koval, thanks so much for joining me. Appreciate it. Hey, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. That's going to wrap it up. Uh, I'm going to eat some birthday cake. That's what I'm going to do right now, spend some time with the family, have a little dinner, blow out some candles, although I don't know if post-COVID we're allowed to blow out the candles, so we'll just extinguish them somehow very safely. Thanks for joining me each and every week. Next week, Doc Smith is going to be our guest. Make sure you stay tuned to that for that and uh, tell your friends. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you again next week. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as a sole basis of any investment decisions, nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice, or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results, and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence, including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training.